Well, a very good Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Friday Live on this January 15th, 2021. I'm Jim. And this is Cheryl. I can't believe it's Friday already. And the middle of January. Oh, January middle. 15th. Smack dab in the middle of January. That's right. Doesn't the Ides, like of, January. Ides of January. Yeah, Ides of January. <laughs> only two months from the Ides of March, and hopefully by then... Oh, please. We'll start seeing those little green buds on the Mm -hmm. trees. And we'll get outside and we'll get a lot of sunshine, although we can't complain. No, not at all. 45, pushing 50. I was out walking a couple of days this week, and just at the right time, the sun feels so good on your face. You still have your coat and gloves on, but really feels wonderful. You needed a coat and gloves even? Well. Wasn't that cold? Gloves? I don't think I've worn gloves in years. But my hands are always cold. I mean, oh. it could be summertime and my hands are cold. So mm-hmm. that's just me. That's just me. Well, Jim will be here a little later on to give us uh, full weather updates. Mm-hmm. Um, also this hour, we're going to be joined by Dan Salucci. And he is the CEO of the Catholic Leadership Institute. and uh, He's going to talk about something I think that everybody's asking when this pandemic is over. What if they don't come back? Meaning, right. And it comes up in every conversation. Right. Now, I heard a talk by him. Was that like a parish mission? or No, it's a, it's part of the uh, Our Sunday Visitor Speaker Series. Okay. So he'll tell us a little bit very, more about that. Very, very good. So I can't wait to mm-hmm. speak with him. So he'll be here. And then next hour, um, of course, this hour, Jim will be here with the weather. We're going to play Named That Catholic Tune. Mm-hmm. Next hour, uh, we're going to be uh, joined by our friend Father John Butler, who will give us a reflection for this Sunday's Gospel, which is the... Second Sunday Second in Ordinary Sunday, Time. Ordinary time yeah. And then also next hour, uh, Jason Jensen. He's the founder and CEO of Glass Canvas. And they have developed a, a, a program called TILMA, a system that makes it easy for the diocese to be on a mission. And I think part of I kind of try to tie this together that how do we get the people to come back mm-hmm. when they come back? And then when we get them back. How do we give them a sense of mission? Right. You know? It's all about evangelization. Absolutely. So anyway, we hope you will be here for the uh, two hours that we are with you today. And uh, thank you for joining us. And of course, if you're listening on any one of our network of stations here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, we thank you. But also, you can listen live on uh, the um, home speaker devices, Amazon Echo, Google Home. Just got to say, play domestic church media. Also... Hopefully you've downloaded your free domestic church media mobile app. Uh, we've had over 1,600 downloads all over the world. I checked the map. We're all over the world with this. People have downloaded our app except for Antarctica. No one in Antarctica has downloaded it. Now, how would you know that? I have statistics. The company, yeah. our, our company that, not our company, but the company that um, provides the app. Pr- created and provides the app for us, they know where it was downloaded where to. Where it comes in. Yeah, okay. Because I know that we're not part of that other. You know, when in the old days, television, I forget even what that company was. They could tell Nielsen. how many. Nielsen. Mm-hmm. The, the ratings. Yeah, Arbitron is, is the radio side, and we don't subscribe to that. They charge like right. $50,000 a year just to get listening numbers. Right, because people say, well, how do you know how many people? Right. We really don't know how many people are listening. But that's now God's job. Is, that's right. You know I told what? God that's, we... that's his job. We'll do this, but he's got to take mm-hmm. care of who's listening. So right. Anyway, but uh, the mobile app is downloaded. You can also w- listen and watch on the mobile app because we are coming to you live right now on the Domestic Church Media YouTube channel, youtube.com slash domestic church media, and also live video on our Facebook page at facebook.com 
slash Domestic Church Media, live video on our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org. So all kinds of ways to listen and watch, and we thank you for being here today. Um, so we're going to pray, and we've been praying this prayer uh, of consecration to the Holy Family. Um, this year, the Holy Father has asked us to dedicate to St. Joseph, and on the Feast of St. Joseph, March 19th, just a couple months from now, uh, he's also asking us to then uh, dedicate our year to the Holy Family of Nazareth. So there's a beautiful prayer uh, that the Knights of Columbus have provided, and uh, we invite you to join us in consecrating uh, our families to the Holy Family. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Lord Jesus, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepared to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer. We entrust our family to you. O Blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth, you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and the joy of your home. We entrust our family to you. O Saint Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work. We, we entrust, entrust our family, family to you. Holy Family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. Keep, Keep us, us strong, strong in faith, faith persevering in prayer, prayer, diligent in our work, and generous toward those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us. And uh, we'll pray our prayer to St. Michael and also the prayer to Our Lady, the beautiful ancient Subtum Presidium prayer that Holy Father asks us to pray both these prayers with the specific intention of protecting the church from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers. O oh, glorious and blessed Virgin, amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray, pray for us. St. Pope John Paul II, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. And Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. And with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. And uh, speaking of prayer, this coming Monday is third Monday already. I know it's a holiday, but we'll be here. And uh, Bruce DeBacco will be here live at 3 o'clock for his Hour of Prayer program, Come to the Throne. And he'll invite you to join in uh, by calling in with your prayer intentions, your prayer requests. And you can also text them in, email them in. And Bruce will be here for the whole hour to pray with you and for you. That's this coming Monday at 3 o'clock here on these domestic church media stations. And I guess it's uh, Martin Luther King Day. Mm -hmm. so in it's a, a federal special, holiday. special way we'll pray for peace in the world, in mm -hmm. our community, in our families, in our churches. Yeah. Peace, peace, peace. We need it. We need it. Um, this is the, this March will be the fifth anniversary of the passing of Mother Angelica. Five years Five already. Five years already. I can't believe it's that much, oh. but 
I've not heard any official talk, but five years, of course, you know, is the the mark where if they want to open a cause for canonization, that's when they do it Mm -hmm. or can do it. I was surprised, actually, because Father Groeschel, his five-year anniversary was last October, but they, I don't, I haven't heard anything about any uh, cause being opened. Well, there needs to be a miracle to even open the cause. No, or no, you... no. Just to, 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 you have to go to your bishop and, and um, somebody would have to open the cause, and then they start investigating. That the, this individual had lived a life of heroic virtue. Mm. Um, Father Apostoli one time told me that uh, they always one of the first things they look at is to see if the individual, when he or she walked to the earth, were they a joyful person? Did they have joy? Father, oh, both Father Groeschel and mm. Mother Angelica, especially, mm-hmm. yeah. with all the hardships that they suffered, yeah. both of them. Yeah, remember Father got, Bennett got hit by a bus? Right. Remember in Florida? That kind, of, that kind of put him on the downturn. That's when he started to... Slow down. Uh, yeah, yeah, deteriorate a little bit. So uh, anyway, that's this coming March uh, 30th, was it? March 30th? It was right at or the 31st, very, very, very end. Boy, it was, it was Easter would... Sunday night. Yeah. I would love to go back there. Mm. Well, as soon as they kind of release some of these restrictions and people feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. I guarantee you we'll run another little trip, whether we fly or take a bus. We we can talk about that, but it is a wonderful place to spend a good few days. Right. Okay, we'll take a break, and we're going to be joined when we come back by Dan Salucci, and he's the CEO of the Catholic Leadership Institute. And his topic today is, what if they don't come back? And it's a question I think everybody has asked. Uh, You know, we've been in this uh, phase of pandemic uh, since last, really since last March. Um, And uh, we know that because of the dispensation, that mass attendance is not required. Mm -hmm. And um, people, you know, they're limited to the numbers of people they can get into the churches. But so Dan will talk about this. What if they don't come back? And he has some great ideas he'll share with us. For those of you who are watching on Facebook, we have to turn the volume off during the music because Facebook um, stops us. <laughs> they, they close us down if we play the music. I don't know. Eh, it's copyright something or other. So right? bear with us. We'll take a break and be back in uh, just a bit. So stay right where you are.
Well, welcome back, friends. We're happy to have you here on this uh, lovely January 15th. Dan Salucci is uh, the CEO of the Catholic Leadership Institute, an apostolate providing leadership training and consulting to more than 250 bishops, 3,500 priests, and over 25,000 deacons, religious, and lay leaders in more than 100 dioceses. And in a relatively new uh, Our Sunday Visitor talk series, Dan uh, talks um, about what if they don't come back, confronting the realities of declining mass attendance during this pandemic and beyond. So we want to welcome to the program Dan Salucci. Welcome, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you both. Great to have you. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yeah, you got it perfect. Okay. Well, being a couple of paisans, we shouldn't be too difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Cheryl and I were at breakfast this morning watching this uh, talk that you gave, and it is a question that um, I think many people have been asking since this whole thing began. What if they don't come back? Absolutely, because we've all noticed, no matter where you are in the country and how large or small your parish, everybody talks about the numbers are just way down. And even prior to the pandemic, we saw dwindling in numbers, less families, less younger people and children. And now what usually develops over the course of several years, the pandemic like really threw us into it in less than a year. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, we were on this course uh, well before the pandemic, and and this has just catalyzed it a lot. And as as you said, uh, Cheryl, it's a great equalizer. Every parish is facing uh, the same challenge. And, uh, you know, the longer that we're in this, I think the the longer and harder the challenge is to to win people back, not only those who weren't coming already, but even some that were coming. Let's talk first, Dan, just a real quick, let our listeners know, as I mentioned, you're the CEO of the Catholic Leadership Institute. Um, what? Tell us a little bit about that and your work to form clergy and religious and lay leaders in the Church. Sure. Well, we are coming up on 30 years of service to the Church as a nonprofit ministry, and our, our simple philosophy since we were founded was always that God gives us great potential, and our gifts back to God is how we use it. And so, at CLI, we try to provide the best tools that are out there in forming leaders uh, for the church, and, and that includes bishops and uh, priests, as well as lay leaders at, at the parish and the diocese. So uh, I've been serving this ministry for 15 years, and uh, we go wherever we're asked to go, and, and we do uh, and support our leaders however we can in trying to build their confidence and competence. And that includes different training programs, coaching uh, some consulting and, and, and just project support, really whatever challenges they're facing in leadership, we want to stand right with them and, and back them up and help them out. So uh, it's been a blessing to be a part of. What, Dan, is one of the most interesting insights from your research that maybe has had significant implications for parishes during these, these times? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, I think one of the biggest things um, is, is how important relationship is. And, and I think particularly our relationship with our pastors, you know, um, 
a parishioner in the United States today is 11 times more likely to recommend their parish if they're likely to recommend their pastor. So that's kind of an unhealthy dynamic in my mm-hmm. mind, but it, it, it is what it is. And, and so our pastors, you know, one of the things we say to them all the time is just reminding them how important their vocation is and how important, especially in these times where we are distant physically, the, the relationship still matters. And so we try to help parishes do uh, the little things that help to maintain those relationships with their people, even if we're not able to, to gather as we usually do. That's interesting, Dan, because um, a lot of us think large scale, like, okay, let's tackle some huge project to really turn this all around. And it might be something as simple as a phone call. We have, a, um, of course, every parish has the uh, extraordinary ministers, Eucharistic ministers sure. of communion. And the sure. older people um, are not coming. M- many of the older people are still staying home. They're, they're a little bit more cautious. And our um, EMs, who aren't really serving because we don't have a great need for them, sure. they have a list of these people that are still stay at home. And they just call them every once in a while. They just call and have a conversation to keep them feeling connected and a part of the parish. Well, those those little moments, like what your parish is doing with their extraordinary ministers, those are what we see make the difference. It really is not, and, and no no slight against the big efforts, but mm. but it really is in, in the culture and the, the, the simple day-to-day, um, you know, outreach, like what you were describing. That's, I think if there's any kind of message of hope or encouragement, it's that Little things matter, and we can all do those little things with great love, and, and they go a long way. We have the data to back it up. So when we, we, when we survey and research parishes that are best practice, it, it's very rarely do we find that they have some big you know, drive or project or initiative. It's more that they have this culture of care and, and community that, that it sounds like your parish is blessed to have as well. Well, I'll put a little aside here. Cheryl is the director of liturgy and music at a parish over here in New Jersey, but she's been doing this for 30 years, both in the archdiocese and here in New Jersey. So she's, she's had a lot of experience, especially with pastors and different styles of leadership and different, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that does affect, you know, the parish takes on, I guess, the the personality in a lot of ways of the pastor. That's right. It abso- absolutely does. And again, I mean, statistically, we can see that. And so um, I think, you know, there's a couple implications there. And, you know, we, we can't abdicate our responsibility as, as the lay faithful and people like Cheryl and so many other wonderful leaders in our parishes play such an important role. But but we in the pews also have to play uh, our role as well and really embrace our responsibility. Sometimes we're, we're, we're putting a lot on Father's shoulders and sometimes knowing many of them, they don't want it. Um, uh, and, and, and you're right, if we're not careful our communities can become kind of one and the same as the pastor, and that's not necessarily a good thing, not not because they're not good men, but because it should be about a community rooted in Christ, not rooted in any one single person. We're talking with Dan Salucci. He is the CEO of the Catholic Leadership Institute uh, right over here in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia um, is where he resides with his wife and children. Um, but let's talk about this now, Dan. Again, we watched your video and the question that has been on the minds of so many, you know, when when this whole thing hit last spring and churches closed down completely, that was a, a shock for so many. I would think everyone can tell us what they were doing Easter Sunday because we were all probably yeah. locked up at home and it was not the types of East, type of Easter we're used to. But since then, of course, things have eased up a little bit with limitations of numbers. But what if 
and yet we watched you talk, and it was it was great. What, what, what? Let me share with our listeners that as we talk about this, what if they don't come back? And and what would you recommend? Perhaps a, a first action step for parishes trying to move forward in this in in the face of this pandemic. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So it, it, it was honored to be able to give that talk with OSV Innovation Talks and. And my biggest point was to try to, to allow us to name the fear that I think uh, so many of us maybe have been thinking but haven't been talking about. I think we need to talk about it. That's number one. So um, I, I talked to a lot of parishioners who are worried about it but aren't necessarily having those conversations with their pastor or parish leadership team. And I, I think the first step is really talking about how is this affecting us? What do we need to be thinking about? Uh, where do we go from here? I, I think the second thing, though, hopefully that, that people walk away with from the talk is that uh, we should have hope because we're Christians. And so we know uh, the victory has already been won. And so I think we, you know, if, if things are different, I think we have to remind ourselves and remind others uh, that this has our, always been our story as a pilgrim people, right? We've always been on a journey. And, and so our call is, is universally and always to be discerning how best to be church in this time and space. And so to not be, um, you know, to not be uh, so discouraged, and to not not just try to wait it out. I think the biggest thing I want to say to parishes is keep moving forward with something. Again, whether it's phone calls, whether it's, uh, you know, just allowing people to gather in the parking lot. Uh, you know, we had a, at my parish a, a, a blessing of the animals on, on the Feast of St. Francis. We had like 200 people socially distant, hmm. but, but because they just wanted, they were craving community. So anything we can do right now, is better than nothing. And I think what we, the worst thing we can do is just try to wait this out longer. I think we have to keep moving forward with hope and try to be creative. Say, okay, if we can't, you know, do what we've been doing in certain ways, what can we do? And let's just try and, and let's risk some things, try some things. And if we fail fast, that's okay. Um, because, you know, again, the victory has already been won. So I, I hope that people take away that spirit of encouragement and possibility. I think one of the things that's most exciting to me um, is to see how far, from a technology standpoint, our church has come in the last eight months. I mean, I know parishes that would, would swear against ever using email before this pandemic, mm -hmm. and now they can live stream, and they can mm -hmm. Facebook Live, and they can do all these wonderful things that they said they could never do before, and, and they learned it very quickly. So I think that gives us great hope and possibility for the future. And we can mention Zoom, right? Whoever even knew what I know, Zoom you know, was. My, I always laugh. You know, like my mom actually knows how to use a Zoom and, and take herself <laughs> off a of view to do all these things that she, you know, we, we used to joke about her use of computers, and now she's an expert. So yep. that, that, that provides great possibility for us for a lot of different things. Um, and, and I think we should celebrate that. And I have to say that one thing that I did walk away among many things, but the, the largest thing that I took away from your presentation was the positivity and the hope. You know, when you start um, saying, well, we better talk about this and what if they don't come back? It, it almost takes on a negative overtone and you start yeah. spiraling downward. Well, then this is happening and then this will be horrible. Blah, blah, blah. But no, turn it around. Be a little creative. Think outside the box, as they say. And put a positive spin. Where can we go with this? Okay, if they don't come back, we could try this and we could tap into, you know, have those conversations and be hopeful because um, it doesn't necessarily mean change doesn't necessarily mean a negative thing. Change yeah. can be positive. Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, when we talk about hope, you know, hope is a word that's so often used in, 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 in our world. But, you know, true Christian hope is not a, a naive kind of 
Pollyanna concept. True Christian hope is that we stare at the cross and we still know that there is a beautiful future uh, ahead of us. I mean, that's that's what Christian hope is, that we really Mm -hmm. understand the daunting reality around us and we, we choose to believe and walk forward anyway. Right. And so I think that's that's what we have to do. We have to name name the fear and acknowledge that it's hard, but then to see the possibilities and, and the graces that the Lord is pouring out in front of us. Mm. I think it was the great father, Groeschel, God rest his soul, that once was talking about hope. And he goes, Christian hope is not that of the worldly hope, as in, I hope I win the lottery or I hope right. I get a great <laughs> gift. Hope is knowing, you know the finished line, but you just might have that's to— right kind of go through a few hoops to get there. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Couldn't say better myself. God rest his whole soul for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, one of the again, fruits of all of the, that's going on, first of all, the Lord in his permissive will has allowed all this to happen. And, and of course, always to bring about a, a greater good in so many ways. And I was reading, I was telling Cheryl this morning, I was reading a, a sur- recent survey. They were talking about charitable giving during the pandemic. And uh, the largest increase in charitable giving, 75% increase, was with millennials. And I'm, yep. I'm thinking, wow, are they, are they tuning into streaming services and masses? Or what, 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 what's making that turnaround? Because a lot of people thought that would never happen. Yeah, well, I think, look, people, again, people, millennials especially, crave three things our research would show. They, they crave relationships, they crave um, authenticity, and they crave impact. And you know what? The church has all of those in spades. So, I think part of what's a grace of this, this, this challenging time we've been living in is it's clarified some different things and, and the role of the church and what we can be together. Um, and, and I think, you know, people, um, people want to, to be a part of something good, even if they don't understand or believe in, in all the teachings of the church, they, they want to be a part of something good. And so, uh, and even now more than ever, they want, they want relationship because they're, they're denied it. So I think, I think we can we can fill a void as a church right now that so many people are hungry for, and they don't even know that they're hungry. We we have the food of everlasting life, and I think we we need to remember that and be really bold and excited about the possibilities um, that we can bring to people's lives in this time that the world feels so dark. Amen. And we have about a minute left, Dan. If we were to do this interview again in ten years, what would be ta- what would we be talking about? Do you think? Well, you know what? I hope, um, I hope, Jim and Cheryl, that we would be. Um, I think I would have to say to our to our listeners, we're going to have fewer parishes. I think that's going to happen. So I, I don't want to, again, to sound Pollyanna, but my hope is, and I would hope that we would be talking about uh, fewer beacons, but but really brighter beacons of light that people are finding new hope um, uh, for their lives and for their futures in, because uh, we we really doubled down on being a people. Uh, who are in relationship with the Lord Jesus, first and foremost, and with each other through him. Uh, and so I, that, that's my hope. That was what we're talking about in 10 years. Amen. Mm-hmm. We've been talking with Dan Salucci. He is the CEO of the Catholic Leadership Institute. Uh, in fact, Dan, let's let our listeners know if they want to find out more about the Catholic Leadership Institute, how can they do that? And also about the uh, our Sunday Visitor Talk series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Uh, you can visit catholicleaders.org. That's our website, but I would uh, really welcome... Uh, more people to check out the talk at osbtalks.com, uh, and uh, there's a lot of great talks, not just my own, but, uh, but just a lot of wonderful topics that I think uh, people on your show would really enjoy checking out. That's wonderful. Well, Dan, thanks so much for your time. I hope you come back and join us again some other time. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Please do. Mm-hmm. 
I would love to, and you're right across the river, so That's we're, right. it'd be great. We have the same. We have we're, we have the same archbishop, so uh, we're we're actually living the archdiocese. So we're, yeah, we <laughs> we, oh, good. Okay. We yeah, have yeah, dual. We have any time. We have du- we have dual citizenship. We were, we have the, uh, Bishop <laughs> O'Connell over here and and Archbishop Perez. But thanks a lot. Have a beautiful day. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. You too. God bless. God bless Bye-bye. you. All right, friends, and you stay where you are. We'll be back. A lot more to come on Friday Live. Jim's going to be here with the weather. We're going to play Name That Catholic Tune, so don't go anywhere. Put your thinking cap on. Be right back.
God gave us night and day So we could play and pray together So now let's see what's headed our way As Jim gives us the weather Alrighty, that little ditty means it's time for our chief meteorologist here at Domestic Church Media, our friend Jim Hoffman. Hello, Jimbo. Wow, chief meteorologist. Yeah, well, you know, you have a big staff underneath you there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, where'd they all go to? I don't see them around. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you gave them the day off. (laughs) Yeah, I I think they have Fridays off, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. The only day I do the weather. Yeah. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. They work hard the rest of the week while you do other very important things. So, How are you doing, our friend? Very good. How are you guys doing? Okay. America, you know, I said, there's something called COVID time. You know, you, you hear that COVID yes. time? We're on COVID time. Mm-hmm. Lose track of COVID days, time. hours, month. Who knows when it is, where we are. Or maybe it's just our age or my age. I should <laughs> That's, that's usually what happens on vacation, right? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's or like true. during the holidays, you know, you're just not sure you're home, you're you're off, you don't know what day it is, but it's been going on since last March, so I don't know what's up with that. So but, what you're saying is COVID is like vacation except with a mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I, got, I have to meditate on that a little bit. And, and socially distancing <laughs> and all the other stuff. There's so much. Do, do you know anybody who had it, Jim? The virus? You have any any friend? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, a while ago, my daughter had it, but oh. um, she recovered pretty quickly. I know some people who had it, but just had weird symptoms, like you know, they lost the taste and smell. Right. But that was it. They yeah. didn't have a fever or anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, so yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we did. You know, my daughter did have it, but uh, she's doing fine now. She she was sick for about a week. Yeah. Um, the rest of us, we all tested negative, so we're fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we had it. Keep that immune system yeah. healthy. Keep yeah, riding yeah. that bike and taking your vitamin but we C. Have the, we have the antibodies now. That's right. We have the antibodies. Wow. I want to come over to the radio station and get some of those antibodies. Would you like some plasma? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, there's a fundraiser. Yeah, can we sell our plasma to yeah. make some money? Oh, my gosh. You think? There you go. We better hey, get to the... It, Got to do it for the radio station and for God. That's yeah. right. That's right. Plasma for sale. Put a sign out front. Plasma for sale. Oh, so tell. We were just commenting on what a beautiful January we've had so far. So yeah. it's just been a gorgeous month. I mean, considering it's January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weather-wise, it hasn't been too bad. We haven't had any rain or snow in in a while. Um, this whole week was was nice. A little, little cloudy right now outside, but I'll, I'll take the warm weather. It's, it certainly has been warmer than we would expect for, for January, and now moving into February, it looks like um, you know no drastic changes. So who knows? Maybe we'll have a winter like last winter where we got away without any snow. The past few yeah. winters, actually, mm-hmm. the past couple of winters have yeah. been like that. We had our yeah. big snow in December, and that was it this year so far. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's in store for this weekend for those people? Because it's a holiday weekend too. It's a three-day weekend. That's right. That's right. Monday is uh, Martin Luther King Day. Mm-hmm. So uh, right now, out and about in the area, we're, we're actually in the upper 40s to low 50s. So it's really nice. Ewing, you're at 45. Uh, Freehold, 47. Hamilton, 51 by the Atlantic City Airport. Hamilton, where I'm sitting, 45. Cape May, down along the shore. A balmy 50 degrees. Haven wow. on and get out by the water. <laughs> Beach Haven, 51, and Seaside Heights, 50. So time to put that boat in the water. I right? guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and get your bike down there, too. That's right. For sure. That's right. you got to start riding, riding up and down LBI. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I love that. 
love that. Yeah. So um, tonight, as I mentioned, we haven't had rain all week, but that's going to change tonight and tomorrow. So we're going to have rain developing later tonight, probably later, maybe around 10, 11 p.m., I'll know around 40. Saturday, a chance of showers into the afternoon, mostly cloudy, high near 50. Saturday night, partly cloudy, low 30. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 45. Now, we're going to have a cold front come through, so the winds are going to switch around to the west and increase to about 10 to 15 miles an hour, and we could have gusts as high as 30. So no bike riding that day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sunday night, partly cloudy, low around 30. And then Martin Luther King Day, as you mentioned, a holiday for, for most of us. Mostly sunny with a high near 45. And just looking into next week, it looks like we'll have highs in the upper 30s to low 40s and lows in the, say, upper 20s to around 30. So maybe a slight chance of um, rain or maybe some snow on, on Thursday night. But I don't see any other um, – after we get through tonight and Saturday, I don't see any other chance for any – falling from the sky. Well, hey, that's pretty good. I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, very good, James. We appreciate your time and all you do for us here at The Apostolate. So thank you for another great segment on the Friday Live. We'll look forward to talking with you next week. And please thank your staff for us. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I will. I can find them. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. God bless right. you. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. It's time to name that Catholic tune. Time to name that Catholic tune. Uh, America's fastest growing game show. <laughs> Actually, you're watching Name That Tune the other night. There's a new Name That Tune. I know, you know, and I'm We didn't thinking, know one song. It was all like songs from the, the like 2000s. Now. Yeah. It was, it Who was, knew? It was today's music. They weren't know? playing, you know, My Merry Oldsmobile. <laughs> <laughs> East Side, West Side. Right. But what was fun is that is they would name the tune or give the clues or however it was, but then they had like a stage band. They had a band that played And it. they would play it and sing a portion, you yeah. know, not the whole song. But see, we can expand. Yeah, well, we got to get the band in here then. Yeah, we got to get a band. Get the band in the studio. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so what we're going to do is Cheryl's going to give you some information about today's Catholic tune that she's chosen. Uh, so listen carefully, and then she's going to play a little bit of it for you on the uh, nine-foot grand we have wheeled into the studio. And um, then, if you think you know what it is, give us a call at 609-493-8255. That's 609-493-8255. But don't call until she plays a little bit of it to give you a little musical clue. But she'll first give you some information about it. Again, the number that you can call is 609 493 So, talking about today's music, you could say this is today's music, where church music is concerned. And the composer grew up uh, Lutheran, and if I'm not mistaken, he's still Lutheran. Went to Lutheran schools, colleges, seminaries, all that sort of thing. And you'll find this hymn in a multitude of denominations. It is very, very popular. As far as uh, in the Catholic world, you'll hear it perhaps at memorial masses or um, wake services. 
And it comes from the Psalms, as we know all of human life is in the Psalms. Thanksgiving, praise, lament, loss, anger, fear, but always hope, as our first guest told us a little bit earlier. There's that, that Christian hope. And this particular composer actually recommends in times of difficulty and emptiness, and you feel like, I can't even pray, go to the Psalms. Let that be your little step, tiny stepping stone to get back into praying. So uh, this is a psalm setting. I'm actually going to give you a phrase. What he has done is paraphrased this very popular psalm uh, into more lyrical language, if you say, but the message is still there. So uh, he does take liberty with the biblical text, but in— Well, he's Lutheran. Yeah, of course. So he's not quoting. Sorry to all my Lutheran friends who are tuned in right now. Let me just say this. You started it. (laughs) This might give you a clue. Uh, One of the phrases in this psalm, verbatim, He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. But in this hymn— This composer says, my spirit shall sing the music of your name. So absolutely the message is there, but in more modern, beautiful language. So how about we hear a melody if you don't know it already? 609-493-8255. That's the number you can call when you think you know what today's Catholic tune is. 609-493-8255. Cheryl is now sitting behind the (laughs) nine-foot grand. Yeah, they can't see me, right? Well, well, barely. Mm-hmm. 609-493-8255. If you think you know what today's Catholic tune is, give us a call right now. 609-493-8255. Oh, we do have a caller. How about that? Here we go. Hi, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Uh, Donald from Plainsboro, New Jersey. Oh, Donald from Plainsboro. Very nice, Donald. And what do you think today's Catholic tune is? Um, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. Beautiful. Very good, Donald. Very good. Donald from Plainsboro. And... Setting of Psalm 23. And the composer is Marty Hogan. And do you know Do you know how he actually begins it rather than the text? Um no, I don't. Oh, okay. Um, my favorite tune was uh, of the Father's Love Begotten, but uh, I recognize from your description this would be it. So. Psalm, Psalm 23. 23. Very Absolutely. good, Donald. Well, Great. very good. You, you you are correct, and I guess he, he uh, calls the hymn Shepherd Me, O God, mm-hmm. based Shepherd. on Psalm, 90, 93, uh, uh, Psalm 23. So, Donald, thank you for playing. I'm going to put you on hold. Don't go away, though, okay, because Cheryl's going to come on and get some information from you, all right? Okay. Okay. okay hold great. on. Thank you. And uh, f- friends, uh, you stay where you are. Here he actually is, the hymn, uh, Shepherd Me, O God. We'll be right back.
Okay, we're back. That was Shepherd Me, O God. 
The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. Congratulations to Donald uh, from Plainsboro, New Jersey. So that's good. We're being heard. What, did he say what station he was listening on in Plainsboro? Oh, I didn't ask him. But he used to live um, more northern, northwest Jersey, oh, okay. like mm-hmm. Morris, Morris County. And oh, okay. just a few years ago, moved to Plainsboro and can hear us now, but possibly driving. I don't know. Well, I, th- you can get, I think you can get 89.3 because I get our dentist is not too far from there. We, we go to the dentist Plainsboro. and I get 89.3 oh, there in his right. parking lot. Yeah. So you know what I was thinking? We go through Plainsboro. Actually, there was yeah. something on diners, drive-ins and dives last week. There's a bagel place there in Plainsboro that looked great. Oh I can't think of the name of it. But well, you know what's funny? I think we probably should... pass it every time we go to the dentist. Funny you should mention that because I had to go over that way last week. I forget what I was doing, running some errands, and I kind of, where I had to go was weaving my way through that section, and I saw a bagel place, and out front there was a huge sign that said, the best bagels in New Jersey. Okay. And so it must have been. Well, Guy Fieri was there last All week. All right, let's look it up. It was a yeah. repeat program, obviously. He's not out on the road now, but uh, it looked pretty good. Sandwiches and all kinds of good all stuff. All right, we're going to so look it up. Next time, we, next time we have to go to the dentist, mm-hmm. after the dentist, we'll go to the bagel place. Yeah, that's right. Rip your teeth out. <laughs> we'll have him <laughs> Picking out pieces of bagel while he's doing the cleaning. Uh, so anyway, we have another big hour here. Next hour, uh, we're going to have our gospel and our reflection today is by our good friend, Father John Butler, who's the pastor of St. Michael's over in uh, West Long uh, Long Branch. And, um, uh, and our guest next hour is Jason Jensen. Actually, he's in Canada, and he's the founder and CEO of Glass Canvas. And a brand. he's going to talk about a brand new... A system that makes it easier for a diocese to be on mission. So we'll get the people back in the church when this is all over and then send them out on mission. So Jason Jensen will join us as well. More music, more to come. Stay right where you are. Another big hour of Friday Live coming up. Bishop Robert Barron. When you say, well, my ego is the center of my life, my freedom. Okay, it sounds great. What I can envision, what I can desire in the immediacy of the moment, 
I mean, what a dull prospect. But to say that God's purposes are now my purposes, well, that opens up, as, as Paul says in Ephesians, you know, this power already at work in me that can do infinitely more than I can ask or imagine. Or the Lord saying to Peter, you know, when you were a young man, you tied your own belt and went where you wanted to go. That's what young people do. But don't get stuck there because then the Lord says, well, you're an old man. Someone else will tie you up and take you where you don't want to go. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. So you don't, don't read that as something terrible. That's liberating. That's wonderful. Some greater power will tie you up and take you maybe where you never imagined you'd go. When you get beyond that little narrow space of your own ego and you're opened up now into the great space, that's what happens when Jesus becomes Lord. Now you're living. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. When you are predictable in your authority, you will actually have to use that authority less. Consistent discipline leads to less constant discipline. The more you act when you need to act, the less you will have to act in the future with similar misbehavior. The Doctor is in with Dr. Ray Garendi. Heard right here on Domestic Church Media weekdays at 1. Dr. Simon Greenleaf was a Harvard Law professor. He wanted to debunk Christianity. He thought everything these people believe rests on their claim that Jesus rose from the dead, but that wouldn't even hold up in court. So he started writing about it, and he became a Christian. Why? He eventually concluded, what's going to put someone away in court? An eyewitness. What if you have a bunch of eyewitnesses? Jail. <laughs> what if the eyewitnesses are all willing to die for what they saw? Case closed. That's what we have with the rising of Jesus from the dead. Not just people dying for a belief system. These people died for something way more than that. They died for something they saw. Big difference. St. Peter was crucified. He said, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. Crucify me upside down. St. Bartholomew was skinned alive. It makes no sense to do that for a lie. The resurrection of Jesus, God conquering death, it's the best news in history. And the best part about it is, it's all real. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The, the deal clincher is we found our way to our, our parish and we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we'd never been taught. Wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. The Holy Spirit in relationship to our understanding of sin. Our blessed Lord said that the Holy Spirit would convict us of sin. When do we come to a real understanding of sin? Our Lord says here, through the Holy Spirit. No one really grasps the evil of sin if he thinks it is just the breaking of a law. That is why the crucifixion is the manifestation of sin. That is unbelief in its essence, the absolute refusal to have the love and the blessings of God. Now, the Holy Spirit reveals to us that sin is the refusal to accept that deliverance purchased by Christ. And nothing but the Spirit can convince us really of sin. How often, for example, our conscience can be smothered by repeated evil actions. We rationalize our evil deeds. Public opinion sometimes even approves of sin. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. 
A lot of people think that street evangelization involves yelling out of a bullhorn telling people that they're going to hell. Not so with St. Paul's street evangelization. Our methods are non-confrontational and effective. We simply offer information on the Catholic faith along with rosaries, miraculous medals, and prayer. Pope Francis wrote about how beautiful it is to see street preachers joyfully bringing Jesus to every corner of the earth. Street evangelization is fun and fruitful. Join us today at streetevangelization.com. This is WFJS 1260 AM Trenton, WFJS 89.3 FM Freehold, WGYM 1580 AM Hamilton, and WSMJ 91.9 FM North Wildwood, Cape May. Communicating Hope on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back, friends. Another hour of Friday Live on this January 15th, 2021. And we're happy to have you here. And coming up this hour, we're going to have our gospel reading for this coming Sunday, which is the second Sunday in Ordinary Time. And our good friend, Father John Butler, will give the reflection. He's the pastor of St. Michael's over in Long Branch. And... um, does uh, wonderful things for us. Going to say mass for us too after the program. So yes, he's wonderful. Have a little private mass here, and uh, as I said yesterday, we we're supposed to have it yesterday, but Father got uh, called away to a sick call. Um, but we're going to. Um, we have all of your prayer intentions. All of you who wrote during Advent and Christmas as a result of our newsletter and sent us your envelopes and your and the special prayer request, notes. the radiothon. Mm-hmm. They're all in the chapel, and we're going to offer today's mass up or this evening's mass up for all of you and your intentions and thanksgiving for you. So that's tonight at 6. So in a special way, you know, raise your prayers also at that time. We'll be praying for you. Amen. So we'll have our gospel reading and then our reflection by Father Butler. And today's reading uh, actually will be for Sunday, second Sunday in Ordinary Time, from the Holy Gospel according to John. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him, and he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, 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 excuse me, which is translated Peter, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. We have arrived this weekend at the second Sunday in Ordinary Time, three weekends deep now into our new year of 2021. In many churches and in many houses, though not all, Christmas decorations have been taken down and most of them packed away. We have in recent days celebrated 
Christmas, the feast of the Holy Family, the solemnity of Mary, Holy Mother of God, the solemnity of the Epiphany, the manifestation of Jesus, and last Sunday, the feast of the baptism of our Lord. The feast of the presentation of Jesus is no longer that far away on the calendar, and Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Lent are now on this side of the horizon, only a month away on February 17th this year. Time is moving along, as she always does. Traditionally, on this the second Sunday in Ordinary Time, during these early days of the new year, in mid-January and late January, both on Sundays and also on weekdays, we have the gospel stories of beginnings, of things getting started. We see and we hear Jesus getting his public ministry underway. A few examples. Today, Jesus being pointed to by John the Baptist in today's passage from the very first chapter of the Gospel of John. He says, there he is, the Lamb of God, Jesus beginning to step forward, and John the Baptist beginning to step back and to recede. More on that in a moment. In our weekday gospel passages, too, during the past few days, from the first chapter of Mark, last Monday, for example, the familiar words of Jesus as he is launching his ministry of preaching and teaching, he said then, this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is now at hand. In today's Sunday passage and in last Monday's weekday passage, the calls of the first apostles, Jesus beginning to assemble his team and his inner circle, Simon, Andrew, James, and John earlier this week in Mark's version on Monday, and today in John's narrative, the call of Andrew, along with the anonymous disciple, followed by Andrew's exuberant words to his brother Simon, soon to be Peter, Saphos, come quickly, we have found the Messiah. And all of these moments and events that I've mentioned, important and integral, as Jesus begins to implement a plan, a divine plan, that has clearly been well thought out, to say the least, in a long time in the making, a plan for the salvation of souls and for the glory of God. Let me change direction for a moment. Many of us, as we were growing up, will, will recall words, instructions, perhaps even reprimands from our parents and from teachers along the lines of, it's not polite to point, it's not polite to stare, it's not polite to raise your voice in public. And each of those is a long-standing rule of appropriate conduct and behavior when in the company of others. In today's gospel, thank God and thank goodness, John the Baptist breaks all three of those rules of good conduct. He points, he stares, he raises his voice. The written gospel words tell us specifically that the Baptist was standing there that day with two of his own disciples when he saw Jesus approaching. And then he, John, he shouted, he exclaimed, he didn't hold back as he pointed, as he stared, as he called out, there he is, behold the Lamb of God. And in addition to his gestures and his staring and the volume of his voice, we take note of the words chosen by John that day. He used the word behold. He could have said, come over here and meet someone new. He could have said, let's see who this is. He could have said, let's go introduce ourselves. But instead, John the Baptist chose and spoke the word behold, and John the Evangelist wrote down the word behold, a powerful word, an interjection with intensity and potency, with gravitas and theology behind it a word intended to cause us to not only see, but also to observe and absorb and be awed by and to be changed by 
to be transformed by what we are beholding. Even St. Paul uses the exact same word in 2 Corinthians in the context of talking about how the veil has been removed from the viewer's eyes, from the beholder's eyes, so that we can see God with our minds and with our hearts. Paul wrote, quoting, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so, as we proceed deeper into our new year, 2021, deeper into these weeks of ordinary time, and later on Lent and the Triduum and the Easter season once again, as we proceed deeper into the Gospels, the early days and then the later days of the ministry of Jesus, as we hear that word behold again and again, both in the Scriptures and every single day when we celebrate the Mass, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, may we rejoice at the sight and at the words of that Lamb of God, and may we, please God, be transformed as we follow Simon and Andrew and all the others, as they follow, as they behold, as they and we grow in our knowledge and love of God, in our faith in Jesus, and in our discipleship of the Lord. May God bless you and your families and all your loved ones and keep you happy, healthy, and safe during these first weeks of ordinary time in the new year and forever and always.
Lord, you have come to the seashore. Kind of a summer tune there. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I was thinking last Sunday was baptism of the Lord. Well, then we talked about... Um, a little bit of a water theme, but more so discipleship and right. mission. Yeah, calling the apostles. Yeah. What, yeah. what do you want of me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the apostles in many ways, but especially the fishermen, because they like to be out in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a deep-seated reason. <laughs> no, they, they were just men of the sea. Mm-hmm. I like that. Very simple men of the sea. I enjoy that. Uh, now, most of us have, you know, on our phones, I, everything I have, as far as my schedule goes, is on my calendar, on my phone. The phone calendar. Well, well no, no. There's, there's, I mean, everybody uses their phone calendar. I have. Except people like you who have a, a lovely kind of hang on the wall. Parish calendar. Is that from the parish? And when I told you that, oh, I, I picked up the parish calendar, you said, they're still making those? <laughs> I didn't think they would be making them a anymore. A paper calendar you can hang on your wall, but what's so beautiful <coughs> about it, I mean, it's got all the feast days on here, and you can write little notes on it, and you're over there with all your electronic equipment. If the power goes out, oh, woe is you, but I still have my paper calendar. Yeah, but if the power's out, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> So don't forget about it. Actually, I was just reading Father Blount. Yes. Father uh, Blount, who's the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. Um, there are the two brothers, Brothers Blount. There's uh, Father James and the other Father Blount, his brother. <laughs> brother Blount. <laughs> anyway, Father James Blount had this vision recently where he saw Our Lady blackening out the earth. Really? Talk about blackout. She had this scroll. Like this is an alleged vision he had. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying it was true. Yeah. He, this is what he said he saw. Where he saw her up there, and she had something in her hand, and it, she began to unroll it, and it was black, something covering the whole earth. Almost like a, a cloth or a mantle. Well, there's that, uh, you know, that that prophecy. One of the visionaries said there's going to be three days of darkness. 
Because we have that in Fairless Hills all the time. <laughs> no, that's right. I mean, <laughs> we, I'm not making fun of it, but our power goes out. It went out the other I mean, night. For, can, it wasn't even a storm. It just they, went out. They give their weather report. They threaten of possible outages and maybe a storm coming, and the power goes out before you even see a drop of rain. Anyway, so I don't know what the deal is over there, but but isn't it like history does repeat itself? I mean, earlier when we were speaking with Dan, and he talks about. Um, how, okay, it's going to be a smaller church, parishes are going to close, but those that are still on fire for the faith are going to be so much stronger and connected in deep relationship with our Lord. Didn't that happen so many times over the course of Christianity, Mm. you know, where the people left and, and those that remained were stronger? He said, I saw the words spelled out in front of me. I saw the word in my spirit, blackout. Then the whole thing disappeared. He said, it didn't scare me in any way because the Lord told us to read the signs of the times. We have to be aware of what's happening because God is on the move. The devil has been on the move for a long time, and he's about to get his just reward, his punishment soon, and God will work his victory through his Holy Mother. Well, I have to say this, that um, probably about 20 years ago, when we brought one of the first times we brought Father Karapi to town, Mm -hmm. and I did an interview with him, and that was 20 years ago. Father Karapi now is in his early 70s, I think. He said in his lifetime, he believed he would we would see the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, which is basically what Father Blount is talking about here. Now, they both have the same order, by the way. That's right. Um, Father Karapi, you know, we pray is back in good standing. We don't know. We haven't heard from him. But anyway, um, so, you know, but people shouldn't be afraid. Right. Should not be afraid. Like, remember when they had the Y2K uh, 20 years ago? The year 2000. People were insisting that, you know, the the, the whole computer system around the world was going to crash and planes would drop out of the sky. And And they were hoarding goods in their basement. Yeah, they were hoarding water. Yeah, dinty more hash and all that stuff. And then. Spam. Nothing. Spam. 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 That's my that's my response when I get spam calls. Oh, how many people get these calls? I know I get five or six a day. Because our phone says spam on it when At it comes At least there's up. a caller ID and it says spam risk, but all sorts of things. And we just pick up the phone and I pick up the phone singing. and I just start saying spam, 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 <laughs> spam, spam. <laughs> but it is usually a robocall. Yeah. But anyway, point being, to be not afraid. Don't be afraid. No, you shouldn't. And nothing afraid. happened as the clock turned over. No, into the nothing next happened. Century. The Lord spared us any 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 uh, any issues. You know, there were. I remember there was not one. They, I remember that night they were showing. You know, as as it the millennium changed, first over in in um, the Far East and then went across Russia and into mm-hmm. Europe. They were showing the celebrations in each of those big, you know, big cities in those areas, right. people, and nothing. There was not one incident. There was no terrorism. There was nothing. Yeah. And Holy Father Pope John Paul II, that prior to the turn of the uh, millennium, they, they said that um, he was inviting families to Rome in the first week in January to celebrate the year of the family. Or, or and he would not them. have done that. They wouldn't make them get on planes if they're going to be dropping out of sky, <laughs> out of the sky. Right. In his wisdom and foresight. Come to Rome. And people went. So nothing to be afraid. So anyway, I thought this is, it's on Church Pop. You can check it out, churchpop.com. Uh, Father James Blount uh, has this alleged vision. Actually, there's a video there too, I guess. Hmm. Uh, but he said, I believe our Lord and our Holy Mother were giving me a warning, not so much 
personally, but as a priest, as a pastor to his people, to have his people get ready. But we're living in a very unusual time, and God is on the move, and his chief instrument is Mary and in the angels and in his holy church. So, but, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm, not being, I'm not being light about it. This doesn't frighten me. Mm-hmm. I, I, just for whatever reason, it doesn't frighten me. I mean, it's, if it's God's in anything, God's if, if it's God's done, will, right? it's yeah. always to bring about a greater good, and we just have to just accept God's will. If mm-hmm. God will, you know, God's in complete control, even as far as this pandemic goes, he's in complete control. He's allowing it to happen for a reason. And, you know, I, we even said, you and I would talk about this before we got COVID. You know, and our case was very, we didn't even know we had it. It was very mild. We thought it was a little bit of a scratch in the back of the throat. It wasn't much at all. You know, yeah. we were very blessed. But even before we got it, um, we were saying that, that it's, it's you know, it's, it's certainly it's very, it was, it's a very serious virus and, and people have died from it. But the percentages from the CDC were still saying that the survival rate was 99 point something percent. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, so what was there to fear, really? Yeah, and we followed all the thing is we followed all the mm. all the protocol. We had the masks on, the social distancing, washing hands. I had the hand, you know, I have five things of hand sanitizer in my car, um, and I still got it before you. And you you would get exposed to a lot more people than right, I do right, with church, right? You know, I don't really go out and have any friends or anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jim, I just that lonely and I still sucked. got it. My only yeah. friend just was. And COVID. you're so isolated. I mean, here you're by yourself. Right. A lot of the things we do by phone, email. It's not like you're having people come right. and go from the station. Right. And then you know we just and we didn't even think we had it. Right. And didn't even get until a month, a month later we got the the antibody test just because we we're getting close to Christmas and we thought let's find out if we had it and we, mm-hmm. in case anybody invites us over to their house. <laughs> well, it's Christmas that didn't came work and out. Yeah. <laughs> but we got the antibody test. They both came back positive. And then I was watching this this doctor yesterday on TV who said if you had the virus, that they did a study in Great Britain recently, mm-hmm. very recently, that said that you're immune for at least five months. Right. You can't. Get it? You can't spread it. You're not a carrier you anyway. Can't con- contract it again. And he said that. And he, the doctor said that's the whole point of the vaccine to make your body think you ha- and to in, that you had the virus, oh, so sure. you'll create antibodies, mm-hmm. which is what having the virus does. So, but we got that antibodies by natural causes. Our body responded to it in whatever way the body responds to it and created yeah. these antibodies. And So know. if you want antibodies, come come see us. Well, you know, you, you don't say that facetiously. They they do say if you had it. They want your plasma because there are people who are very ill with it, and our plasma would help them. Right. So I, we, I, I don't know what that process is. How much blood do they take out of you? I don't know. Plasma. Is plasma the actual? It's a, yeah. I, I think the difference, I, I really don't know. You're, you're not talking to a medical no, professional by any means. But liberal I, arts. Somebody said that the plasma, it was like a... Maybe even a larger needle, like so. When you give blood, it's very thin. And like a transfusion so type of thing. It must be a little bit more involved. Ow. Yeah, I think there's a little bit ow involvement, mm. but still, maybe we should do something like that. Yeah, we... we'll, we'll look into it if it's going to help somebody. Well, yeah, and they they give it to people who are who are seriously ill with the virus. They don't give it to people to prevent it mm-hmm. from getting. They just get people who are very ill it would help them fight it off. Right. And we know people those... who, are, who are very vulnerable to to the yeah. virus. <clears throat> so and the hospitals still have those people. So. Yeah. We can look into it, I suppose. We must pray, 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 and especially to our lady and this year in a very special way to the Holy Family and Saint Joseph. Mm-hmm. I wonder if parishes will try to have special 
celebrations on March 17th in honor of St. Joseph. Hopefully 19th. by then, uh, 19th, excuse me, St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. The 19th, yeah, we're, we're going to have um, a Mass in the Extraordinary Form. On the 19th? On St. Joseph Day, yes. Hmm. Yeah. He was Jewish, though. He wasn't Latin. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that. Yeah. Well, you had you had your extraordinary form mass on New Year's Day. Yes, and it was so well received, <clears throat> and people loved it. That was January first. We are having another one on Febu- February second, presentation of the Lord, and then on Saint Joseph's Day. So that's three. The presentation is Candlemas Day, right? Mm-hmm. You bring in, you get your candles blessed. That's right. Blessing of candles. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I did, I do understand that the blessing of throats will not be done in the traditional way. This in most dioceses this year, they're going to do a general, you know, over the congregation. Ah, so, that, no going up and getting the. No. And I, I, the Holy Father suggested sprinkling ashes on the head, not and touching. How about the people that clean the church? How would they feel about that? Well, it's if you have good aim, you'll get it right on there. On the forehead. Cover up some bald spots and things. Was it Bishop O'Connell who said a, um, maybe a Q tip? Yeah, yeah. You could do it. You get a nice, neat little cross that way. Very I suppose. Very finite cross. But really, I mean, I st- if, you, if you touch, you have ashes on your thumb and you mm. touch someone's forehead with those ashes, are you really going to get the virus? Or are you just kind of disinfect and mm. I don't know. I don't know, but there are people that would say, why take the chance? I, yeah, I understand that, but it, it the just... The science, yeah. It just seems... We'll see what who knows what's going to happen these days. The way the, the way the world is going, flexibility has become all of our middle name. Flexibility uh-huh. and patience, because every day there's like a little bit of something new, or next week, or the week after. I'm still waiting. You know, hopefully soon we can remove some of those ropes in the church and make room for some more people. They still have the dots on the floor. The people that stand, I don't remember seeing them on your floor. No, they took the dots and arrows away. Why? Well, the ushers will direct the communion procession, mm-hmm. and we just by now, I think we got used to the fact that okay, you have to remain socially distant. You know, why have that block of blue tape on the floor, yeah. or masking tape, or something? Mm-hmm. It's just an eyesore. But but uh, the ropes are still up. Yes, mm. yes, but. It I won't guess they be were, forever. Every, you know, we've hung in there this long. It's almost a year by right, March, right? A right. couple months, it'll be a year. What's a few more months at and this it was point? Fif- Fifteen days to stop the spread. <laughs> it's over three hundred now, my friends. But God's but. will be done. And when we come back from break, we're going to be joined by Jason Jensen. He's the founder and CEO of Glass Canvas, and they have a brand new um, uh, program they developed that makes it easier for diocese to be on mission. So he's going to talk about that. It's the mission. You know, we want people to come back to the church. When this is all over, and uh, but we still, you know, I think in one of the points that um, Dan made up in his talk was that the old way, you know, that the old normal way, people were very, very um, uh, comfortable in their routine of going to church without mm-hmm. really thinking about it. And so it was they, more routine and habit. If yeah. you listen to his talk. On OSV, mm-hmm. um, he will he brings up the point of we we were like. Uh, faith of habit or that that kind of analogy that our faith was a habit and it was a routine whereas now it needs to have a little bit more meaningful purpose and mission right okay so we'll take a break and we'll be joined by uh, uh, jason jensen and uh, he'll talk more about the mission of the diocese and the parishes so stay where you are friends we'll be right back
Well, welcome back, friends. Uh, Jason Jensen is the founder and CEO of Glass Canvas, uh, the team behind Tilma. We're going to talk about that. He works closely with the diocese uh, to increase ministry and effectiveness, particularly in the unique and evolving times we uh, currently live in. Through the years of experience in entrepreneurship, marketing, ministry, and strategy, he leads an incredible team that helps unlock ministry potential. And we want to welcome to the program uh, Jason Jensen. Welcome, Jason. Thanks. I'm delighted to be here. Delighted to have you here. Now, you're up in the uh, Pacific Northwest, are you, or, where, or in Canada somewhere? Yeah, we're in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, so just a little bit north of Seattle, and it's a beautiful day here where we are. Is it super winter? Like, do you have a lot of snow? You know, we're, we don't get very much snow here on the ground. We're like the one part of Canada where it's not white half of the year. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, actually, it's actually pretty temperate. Um, my conversion to Fahrenheit is not very good, but it's about 10 degrees Celsius today. So it's nice and warm, and uh, I think that's around 50. Oh, but right. I could be wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's not, not too bad. Very nice. Oh, well, we understand it's lovely, lovely, and maybe one day we'll get up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you, uh, as the founder um, and CEO of Glass Canvas, uh, have developed, an, I guess we're calling it an, an, an ecosystem that makes it easier for dioceses to be on mission. We had a, one of our, our, our first guests earlier this, on the program was talking about you know getting the people back when they come, come back after the whole pandemic thing. But you have a very successful program up there. So what is Tilma? And how is it different from any other uh, tool uh, or that the church is using today? Yeah, so Tilma is an ecosystem, like you said, of digital tools that's designed specifically for Catholic dioceses and parishes. Uh, it's interconnected, and what makes it different is we the whole tool is structured to help foster more evangelization. So at the heart of the tool is this idea of helping people go on a ministry journey. And I'm sure your previous guest talked about how are we going to engage people. And I think that, you know, at the heart of Tilma is this idea of a ministry journey, which is starting with engagement and then walking with them uh, and discipling them. And we know that, you know, technology doesn't do evangelization. It can only facilitate and extend it. But it's really that people evangelize people. And where there are people who want to evangelize, we want to have tools and, and things uh, that help them do that more effectively and better and um, and encourage them along the way. And is this something that um, you've always been in Van- Vancouver? It, it was born in that region and a little bit of a pilot experience up there? Yeah, that's right. So uh, as Glass Canvas, we've been, you know, an agency like you, you gave such a generous uh, introduction for. We've always been helping faith-based clients uh, in the church uh, do evangelization and things like that. And as we kind of built along the way, uh, our clients were always generously willing to share what we were able to build with them with the next uh, with the next client. And so we ended up uh, with a series of products that we we're ready to do. And um, we were blessed to be a part of Unleash the Gospel out in Detroit. And then when we showed our local diocese and uh, some of the leaders that are at the diocesan level and our bishop. Uh, we said, hey, let's let's do that here. We think the Spirit is, is moving, and we want to be fully in evangelization. And so we had a whole bunch of parishes adopt the Tilma Parish product, mm. and then we went out with big, broad Catholic messaging with a brand called Behold uh, to try and do that. And at the same time, we were gathering the disciples 
uh, who were wanting to become missionary disciples here in Vancouver through uh, what we call Proclaim. Mm. And so it's a wonderful experiment. We're seeing lots of fruit, and yeah, we're excited to see how it continues to evolve. You mentioned that you were in Detroit. Um, do you see a difference between the American and the Canadian church or an adaptation that has to be made, or is everything basically the same? Uh, I think uh, some parts are for sure the same. If you think of the evangelizing heart of the church, I feel like I've talked to ministries across uh, North America and New York and L.A. and uh, in Canada, and I think the heart is the same. So in many ways, we're all beating as one. And then when it comes to reaching you know, those in the pews and beyond that haven't quite had that encounter with Christ, there's, there are for sure some subtle differences. Um, and, you know, our populations are different and, and things like that. But at, at the heart, people want the same message. They want to know that, uh, that they're loved by a God who is loving and cares for them and, and things like that. And the expression of that just very slightly from, from place to place. And you know what I find, Jason, is um, over the years, you know, there was a— um, the landscape of the church was very almost routine-oriented, habitual-oriented. Like my mother and grandmother, they would go to Novena, and it was, you know, that they would belong to the rosary group. They, they would go and they would do these ritualistic-type things. And um, now this coined phrase of being missionary disciples, we hear more and more about it over the last couple of years. It's almost like we're moving away from that type of... Um, Catholic observing their faith, you know, we're moving from maintenance to mission to, to like you say, engaging in a relationship and trying to get others involved. It's, it's just, it's a different church today than it was 40 or 50 years ago. Yeah, and I think our world is very different from what it was 40 or 50 years ago. Uh, and I can resonate with, you know, talking about with my Oma uh, <laughs> about, you know, how she you know, she had a lot of the catechism memorized, wrote, just, mm-hmm. you know, she knew it, she knew it all. And, and I think there's a beauty in that. But I think what our modern world is asking for is to think more in, in the idea of steps and not programs. And I think that that comes into, into play here where the modern world is demanding more of a relational engagement with it. And in that way, the best thing that we can foster is this idea of a missionary disciple as opposed to the perfect set of programs in an area. And I think, I think, you know, the world has changed and that's what it's demanding of us. Mm. The best thing that we can do is have somebody who says, look, I'm, I'm in the art of relationship, want to share something that I have most precious with you. And that Mm. is this person I know called Jesus. And we can put that person in almost any context and they can be effective. And I think it's a beautiful sort of emerging that's happening in the church today um, to see more and more of that becoming the forefront. And many, many dioceses are asking, how do we do that? Is there a, a target audience? I know in general, of course, we want everybody to come back, but I, you, I, I, I see a picture of you here, Jason. You seem like a relatively young man, and uh, Cheryl and I are both um, grandparents. <laughs> so, um, And we have children in their late 20s and early 30s. Uh, and that's a generation that 
that really needs to to be uh, reached out to. I think. Uh, so is there is there a, is this part of your program? How to how to reach? You know, we're 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 stuck in not stuck in our ways. We love what we do, but we you know we have our we, our faith is is very strong. But our young people, the millennials, and and others uh, generation, they're 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 not as strong in their faith. Is this a, a target audience of yours? Yeah, I I heard a quote recently. I wish I could have remembered it right now. Who said it? But it says that the gospel is lost in every generation, and every generation needs to rediscover it or refind it. And the same thing is true for mine. I am, you know, I'm one of the older sort of millennial generations, and um, yeah, what what you're saying is is true. We need to be able to, um, as a generation, look and see, you know, what the what the gospel has, and and um, it's. I believe, I firmly believe that when presented right, it is ultimately the most attractive thing ever to understand that we're unconditionally loved. And I do think our generation hasn't quite been able to grasp that con- you know concept in its fullness. And I also think we're, you know, we're in a war for souls. And um, and I'm kind of reminded of Jesus' time. Uh, Jesus must have looked around and gone, hey, there's no other, you know, specifically males in his generation. They were all slaughtered at his birth. And I think that in some way, uh, spiritually, that's happened with with my generation. That, uh, and but the but when that happens, there's always massive hope that's coming mm-hmm. because uh, the Lord is trying to do something amazing in our midst. Right. And yeah. We've we've had discussions here, of course. Being in, you know, we have a network of radio stations here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, and we know that 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 generation is not listening to the radio. So we we have to you know figure out ways that we can do what we do in our evangelization efforts and reach them where they are. Where are what are they? You know, and I find out they're they're podcasting and their social media, uh, and and they're on YouTube, and this is where they are, and this is what we need to how we need to reach them. Um, because it's it's you know that's the next the next generation who are we passing the torch to? If I just might say how timely this is because this generation is so good with electronics and technological things and look where we are from the pandemic who now we're tapping into um, people like myself who find themselves on Zoom and praying praying in a in a prayer group over the computer or something look at how we're getting into this digital age because of the pandemic. I would imagine, Tilma, it's just like the perfect storm for for some of your, um, you know, things that you offer. Um, we're for sure hoping so. But what you're saying is right. And I think Pope Benedict was prophetic when he said, we have to go and evangelize the digital continent. Mm-hmm. And for him just to frame it in that way is, is so great. And I don't think we go to the evangelization, sorry, to evangelize the digital continent to stay there, you know, but I do think that that's where, um, you know, hundreds of years ago, the church used to have these cathedrals and these beautiful uh, church buildings. That, that was the center point of town and where public discourse happened. And so the church had a way more natural advantage, you know, because of the, you know, Christendom being in its full swing. But now the cathedrals or the gathering places are online. And if we can go there with, you know, the stained glass or the, this message of the gospel, and we can interact and engage with people in the, digi- in the digital sphere, 
uh, I think it's great. And I think we can, you can really make connection in that world. I think we're seeing that more and more in order to bring it back into the sacramental reality that we have. Um, but we need brave people who are willing to do that. And, um, uh, and we're, we're looking for, you know, clients and, and things that want to journey, uh, with us in that and for us to help, uh, assist them in doing that and, um, participate in this movement of the Holy Spirit that we see more and more of that happening. So let's talk about that. We, we're talking with Jason Jensen. He's the founder and CEO of uh, Glass Canvas, the team behind the Tilma uh, program. Now, we have a wide audience here on the East in New Jersey, Pennsylvania. I know we have a lot of priest friends who listen, even a couple of bishops. So um, speak to them, Jason. How can they find out more about Tilma, and how can they, they you know, get information about it to perhaps bring it into the diocese and parishes? Yeah, so if, you know, if there's diocesan, um, there's a bishop or somebody who works at a diocese that, you know, is intrigued by anything that we're saying, please visit Tilma platform.com, and you can see uh, what we offer um, in the broader strokes of Tilma being able to um, help go from maintenance to mission or even deepening evangelization that's currently going on in the diocese. And if you're a parish priest or a parish leader, you can go to tilmaparish.com, where we have uh, really uh, solid digital tools for uh, pastors and, you know, parish administrators or evangelists at a parish uh, to be able to um, really do more ministry and do it easier and a little bit more seamlessly to increase engagement so that you guys um, can do that. So we'd love to even uh, demo software or even have a conversation. We'd love to, if anyone reached out, that'd be, that'd be great for us. So it's tilmaplatform.com and tilmaparish.com. That's right. Are the websites. T-I-L-M-A, mm-hmm. Tilma. All right. And just in the few seconds we have left here, um, can you give us any, any type of story, any, any type of witness uh, to the success of the program parishes or, or rather diocese that have, you know, have, have had, you know, the kind of effect they were looking for? Yeah. Um, here in Vancouver, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, and it's collaboration between us and the, and the diocese, but we saw uh, an increase of, uh, there were, we're a smaller diocese here, about 70 parishes, but we saw 22 parishes were doing evangelistic programs before we launched, and that went all the way up to 33. Mm. So, uh, so you know, an additional, um, you know, 50% of parishes are now fully on mission, and we're giving them the digital tools to do that better and to, to engage. So that's just one of the things that's, that's happening here in, in the midst of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. which is really attributed to the whole, the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great work. Again, the, the website's friends are tilmaplatform.com and tilmaparish.com. We've been talking with the president, uh, founder, CEO of uh, Glass Canvas, the team behind Tilma, uh, Jason Jensen. So, Jason, thank you so much for all your great work and for taking some time out to be with us today. We really appreciate that, and we pray that your uh, apostolate grows abundantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. God, God bless, bless you. you. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And friends, you stay where you are. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Bishop Robert Barron on the priesthood. 
I'm kind of a teacher by nature. I always have been. I've always loved books and ideas and life of the mind and speaking and all that. So I brought that into the priesthood. You know, a very wise thing was said a long time ago, namely that if God chose you to be a priest, he chose you to be a priest, meaning he chose you with your particular gifts and what you're going to bring. So you don't leave that behind. On the contrary, God chose me with these particular gifts. So I've always discerned that teaching and writing and and, uh, preaching and proclaiming would be a key part of it. And it has been. I found great joy in that. I've always found joy in the uh, pastoral work. You know, I did it when I was newly ordained. I was in a parish for four years. And whenever I would go to a hospital, I go to a nursing home, go into the school, counsel, engage couples. I mean, I always found great joy in that, even though it's challenging. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. The Eucharist is the greatest of all the sacraments because it contains in a substantial way the person of Christ who is the author of life. It is the one sacrament to which all of the other sacraments look. Imagine six arrows in a circle, all pointing to a center. The center is the Eucharist. The six arrows are the other sacraments. The Eucharist is the sun around which the other sacraments revolve as planets. All the other sacraments share in its power, and they perfect themselves in the celebration of the Eucharist. It is a sacrament that is so sublime that human reason could never guess at it. Divine love is far deeper than we know. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Okay, we're back. Thanks to Jason Again, those websites, friends, uh, are tilmaplatform.com and tilmaparish.com to find out more. You really have to take a look at the, the website and, and the presentation that they have there Right, to, to get maybe more it. of a, a firmer concept of exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. But it, it all ties in, like earlier, the first guest, Dan, and let's get the people back in the pew, number one. But when they're there, not just to go through the motions again, let them form that personal relationship and, mm-hmm. and really feel embodied in the faith and embodied in the church, a part of it, you know, staying right. connected. Right. And I think of, uh, I keep going back to the millennials, but I, I, I you know, I, I was impressed to see that they, out of all the groups who increased their charitable giving, uh, they were the largest, which is great. And maybe, you know, as they, as they, as they grow older and begin families, I think I, I had a, a stronger Transformation conversion, conversion once we started would, having yeah. children. Right. Obviously, there's spot you. Right, all of a sudden, you're more you need to be more responsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a growing up. You there, need to but, think about you know yeah, what your relationship is. Sure. And uh, so hopefully that's happening there. And there they are marrying later and having children later. So maybe that's what this this is about. And doesn't it say let the children lead them? You know, once the child starts going to the catechism classes, you know, then you get involved. You're helping them with your homework. I right. think it pulls the parents along too. All right, but and, you think about that, and I don't know what it's like now, um, but I know when our children were in grammar school, I mean, the, you know, the schools were filled, and, they, and, they, and there was just so much more numbers mm-hmm. <laughs> there. Right. 
And, uh, you know, sadly, they're closing schools and they're closing parishes. Yeah. So there's been a, a downswing. Maybe Now maybe this is going to take things back up on the... And in a way you think, oh boy, the pandemic didn't really help. But you know what? In God's wisdom, maybe the pandemic will help because didn't it give everybody an opportunity to be home and realize what's truly important? Your family, Mm -hmm. your relationships. You know, you had more time to think and it it wasn't about going to Disney or getting material things. It was just Mm -hmm. having conversations and making meals and being with people and then being missing. Now people just want the socialization. I miss, I can't wait till we have more activity at the church to be with other people. That's what's important. Yeah, so the Lord knows what he's doing. You know, he allowed it and... I'm sure he appreciates you saying that. Well, you know, we have conversation. Um, <laughs> but our son said that. He texted me on his birthday, I think it was. We kind of yeah. went back and forth, and he, he was saying how, you know, he was apologizing because they're very strict. And they have the newborn and, and the, the two very little ones. strict and cautious, yeah. About the virus and things. And he, he, you know, didn't have to, but he apologized for not being together more. Right. Uh, but he said one thing is it has brought them very close as a family. You know, they have now three children with a, from, from infancy to Four years old, and and mm. he said they, you know, they just have really bonded, bonded. Yeah. and uh, so that is a great grace, and that's that's a great fruit, you know. So, you and I still still together. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't uh, make no, us. We didn't you know, uh, go. Our, I think we've got a little crazier. <laughs> it's like kind of just like a, two, a little grayer two, two person hair. nut house. You know, <laughs> your hair's a little grayer. <clears throat> My hair's a little grayer. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, like. Uh, you just have to pray that it did this in many families, you know, not that there was more little butting of heads, but coming together, cooking together, doing different things. I know so many people brought out the puzzles and the games, like, what are we going to do? You get tired of television. You don't want to watch the news, which brings you down. And that I, I really feel like it brought families together. Yeah. So we'll see what the Lord has in store, but we mustn't be afraid. Just take every day as a gift from God and, uh, you know. Just keep moving forward. And, and who was it we had on a guest that said, oh, everyone says, I want to go back to normal. But maybe not. What is our, our have our priorities shifted? And what part can we just let go? And when we go back to normal, let's pick and choose what that normal is going to be. Right. Let's pick the best of yeah. it all. I don't like the term the new normal, though. No, no. That's I don't just, like that term. No. I like, you know, to kind of, it, it's like all the pieces of the puzzle have been thrown in the air and now they're starting to land. Okay, so what what's the best part of this we're going to retain and keep mm-hmm. and focus on? And what was what were the, the best the best parts of this pandemic? And there were, the, we just mentioned a few, and, and uh, you know, we have, everybody grows. And, uh, but I do, I do hope that, I, I pray that the, the parishes, that people do come back and, and do, then realize and, and accept their sense of mission, their call to mission, to discipleship. So, mm-hmm. Well, that's about it for us here today. We had a lovely day with you. I've had a great week with you, and uh, we'll be back on um, next Friday in one format or another. We'll that's be right. <laughs> and also, don't forget Monday at 3 to call in your prayer request. So much to pray for. Bruce will be here at 3 o'clock live, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'll be with you live at uh, on Tuesday at 4, God, God willing. So have a great weekend. Enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you soon. God hug, bless you. Hug your family. God bless you. Oh, 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 o